Let's pray. Gracious God, be with us this morning. We love you. We adore you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So culture wars. So this is going to be the first installment of a post-Advent series. Um, Because I think that whether we recognize it or not, like culture uh, permeates all of us. And by definition, like culture is defined like the customs, arts, social institutions, and achievements of a particular nation, people, or other group, or social group. In other words, we all have culture. We bring culture with us. A more layman's definition is uh, culture is a word for the way of life of groups of people, meaning the way that they do things. Excellence of taste in the fine arts and humanities, also known as high culture, an integrated pattern of human knowledge, beliefs, and behaviors, the outlooks, attitudes, values, moral goals, and customs shared by a society. Culture um, is a thing, and churches have culture too. And part of the challenge with culture and church culture is oftentimes, like, our cultures are different. Sometimes they clash. And even in the church, from a faith standpoint, like, we want to believe that our faith is the defining uh, shaper of the culture and the church. But the reality is, most times, it's not Because the culture of a church is created by the people in the church, and the people in the church are shaped by culture that comes oftentimes from outside of the church. And so the reality of the fact is that there's this constant cultural war uh, as people of faith that we're fighting within ourselves. I think there's the the cultural war that's happening within the church to not allow... Uh, the, 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 the worldly or secular culture to overly affect what we do. But the reality of the fact is, again, if we really take a step back, we might see that the culture affects us more than we realize. And so, brothers and sisters, I think that we are in a cultural war. And so in this series, as it comes up, like I think each episode, so to speak. This just tells you like how much I love like like pop culture stuff. I'm kind of a geek that way. Um, each episode will kind of tackle um, an aspect of the cultural war that I think we face. But again, keeping in mind that our cultures, even individually, are shaped by our families. It's shaped by our politics. It's shaped by our ethnic identity, our gender identity in many ways, our education and our views on what education means, our values, media more than we probably want to recognize, right? Half of us can't even tell why we shop where we shop and do the stuff that we do. Like, I just know I buy Tide. I don't know why. I just do it. I don't know if it works any better than Purex or whatever. The commercials say so. Who knows? And again, we bring that all here. And as a church, we have to constantly fight the influence of the culture on the church, whether we realize it or not. We are at war with the value cultures of the world and the culture of the kingdom of God. So as we talk today, 
I want to talk about this idea of a new wave. And I kind of got that thought from, does anybody remember that, um, that slang term, ride the wave? Anybody? Am I dating myself? Because I'm sure I got this from like my dad or something, so it might be super. See, because Roy raised his hand, so. <laughs> but anyway, so like ride the wave kind of just meant like riding like a period of success or like things that were happening. And like, I got this kind of noticed recently, like I hear, you know, younger folks, younger than me, Say stuff like, oh, like, that's the new wave. Like, that's the, that's the new cool thing or that's the new thing happening, right? And I believe that spiritually there's also a new wave happening in the church. I think that if we, if we are really in tune with what's going on, that God is trying to lead us into a new season and doing something new. And one of the, the things that was a, a, a indicator for me, like I was watching, um, you may not be, like a fan of rap or arts or things like that. But there is this artist named Kanye West. Okay. He's from Chicago. And listen, I know that Kanye has been like kind of all over the place over the years. So I'm not necessarily endorsing Kanye. But if you watch what's happening, he's, he's had this kind of like second conversion in life. Like he just released a gospel album. It's pretty decent. Uh, <laughs> but where it started was like he he's like out in the desert and he kind of started remixing secular songs and turn them into Jesus songs. Right. And this and this small group of musicians started turning into every week, like hundreds and thousands of people coming to listen to Kanye lead this choir of folks singing songs. And everybody was really hypercritical of it, like, oh, you know, Kanye is a heretic. And remember what he did to Taylor Swift and remember what he said about George Bush and like, oh, he's not a Christian. But every week, thousands and thousands of folks were coming. And each week it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then he started traveling. He started kind of going all over the country and in other parts of the country and everywhere he went. People were coming and people who would never walk into a church, people who don't normally listen to Christian music were coming to hear this person who had had this second conversion. Wasn't perfect, but like share the gospel and then he kind of started sharing his testimony and people kept coming. And the question I asked myself, because we hear this narrative that, oh, the church is dying. The church is irrelevant. People, people don't want to go to church anymore. But every Sunday, hundreds and thousands of folks are going to worship the Lord with Kanye West. Now, the pragmatic person in me is like, okay, what is the church not doing? Because obviously these folks who keep coming back are searching for something. There, there's something inside of them, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit, I think, that dwells in us, that is, that is yearning to be connected to our creator, is yearning for something that they have not found in the church. And, and, and the thing that is, is saddening for me is not that he's doing this. The thing that is saddening for me is that when he leaves... 
who's there to help nurture that desire that is being sparked inside of these folks. Because brothers and sisters, it should be the church. It should be us. There's something happening in the spirit that we need to be in tune with so that we can ride the wave not in a attempt just to get numbers right but to be able to follow the guidance and the urgence of the Holy Spirit in order to reach people who have not been reached there was this video that they showed not too long ago of Kanye in the prison And you saw all of these prisoners, men and women, different ages, different colors, worshiping Jesus Christ in the prison. And to me, that was a beautiful image of what the church could be if we allow ourselves to respond to what I believe the Lord is nudging us to do. I think the reality, brothers and sisters, though, there's always barriers And to me, this text kind of gives us a couple quick, I think, snapshots of things that we can can pay attention to in order to kind of reshape our direction. Scholars, theologians kind of question the placement of chapter 21. Because if you read chapter 20, Verse 30, it says, this it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that they, by believing, you may have life in his name. So, essentially, that sounds like a conclusion. It's over. It's done. But then there's chapter 21. It's kind of like the first time you saw a Marvel movie. And you were like getting ready to get up and leave. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. There's something else on the screen. Oh, there's that end credit scene. It's kind of functioning like an end credit. And most of the theologians believe that, that this chapter was added to, to reach those who, like, just, just in case the, the rest of the Gospel of John hadn't convinced them about the, the power and the purpose of Jesus Christ. Here's one last thing to tell you so that you can believe. And it tells the story of the disciples, and it says this. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going to go fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and going to the boat. But that night, They caught nothing. Here's the first thing that stands out to me about this. These men have been walking with Jesus for the past three years. They had seen Jesus do miracles. They had seen Jesus raise people from the dead. They knew that he had been risen from the dead. Like all these amazing, marvelous things. And then when he was gone... What did they do? 
They went back to what they were doing before. Brothers and sisters, sometimes when we're uncomfortable, sometimes when we can't see Jesus clearly, sometimes when we're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, it's our nature to go back to what's comfortable. And I think sometimes churches do that. When things are happening in the spirit and God is calling us to something new and maybe it gets a little bit scary. Maybe it's unknown. (coughs) Excuse me. Our first response is to just go back to what we were doing. So they were rudderless without Jesus and the the lack of direction that came from from contact or direct contact with Jesus had led them back to doing what was comfortable. But what sometimes we forget is when we go back that things never quite feel or work the same way they did before. they did it. And so, brothers and sisters, I think it's important for us to, as we are being challenged, as we are being called, if you haven't got, if you don't got a copy of this, I encourage you to go grab one off the back, because we're being called into this mission that you all discern through the Holy Spirit. What we have to understand is that when we face challenges, we can't go back to our old way of doing things. The beauty about this is that I think it's so obvious that it was God, that it was God. And that was one of the things that drew me and my, my family here. You know, as I talked to Pastor Scott about the process and things like that, you know, it wasn't like he, he didn't wake up one day and just like, you know what, we want to be diverse because it's the cool thing to do. Because in some places it's kind of trendy, right? Like, oh, diversity, justice, social justice is kind of like the happening thing right now. He's like, no, you know, we put up a sign about Congo Water Project and a couple families showed up. And, you know, we just kind of did this and other families showed up and people started kind of talking and caring about this. And, and, so, and so what was obvious, there was, there was something organic. There was something happening in the spirit in the congregation that was saying like, no, I think this is who God is calling us to be. It was, it was authentic. It was, it was natural. But even when we are sure that it's God calling us, it's still scary. It's still hard. And we still have a tendency to want to go back to what we know. The disciples did it. Sometimes we too it too. But then the scripture says there's something, something interesting happened. It says just as, as day were breaking, Jesus stood on the shore and the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus says to them, children, do you have any fish? And we all know that when Jesus asks questions, he already knows the answer. There's something that he wants you to understand. When they answer him, no, he says to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Here's the question that Jesus was trying to get them to understand. 
as they were they were sitting all night with their nets in the water. Day breaks. They're sitting in the same position, doing the same thing, still not getting any results. Same position, same thing, still not getting any results. And so Jesus says, like, it's my slang. He says, yo, y'all got fish? Y'all catching fish? No. All right, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. Then you'll find some. Here, here's what he was trying to get them to understand. They went out to catch fish, but they weren't catching any fish. And instead of thinking, hmm, maybe we should try something different, they kept doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting to get different results. And I think, brothers and sisters, we have the same problem in the church, right? We, we say, oh, we want to we wanna enlarge our impact for Christ. We want to make a we want to make a change in the kingdom. We want to see lives change. We want to see lives transformed. We want to see more people discipled. <laughs> Can a fisherman who doesn't catch fish really be a fisherman? Can the church that's not bringing glory to God, that's not bringing folks to Christ, not for membership numbers, but for the sake of salvation and discipleship, really call itself the church? And at what point do we say when things start getting difficult, when we see numbers dwindling and things like that happening, hmm, maybe it's time to change something. Maybe it's time to take our nets. Jesus was asking them if their efforts were bearing fruit. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is when we recognize what our call is, is what we're doing bearing fruit? Because if it's not bearing fruit, then something needs to change. And the hard part about change, and what I want to, I'm going to jump to the end. It says, um, where is it? At verse 11, verse 10. No, verse 11 says, So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Here's what I get from this, and I'm kind of jumping a bit. Here was where I think we struggle with change in the church. Because when we start coming and we join and we become members, it gets really, really, really personal for us. Okay? And so when we think about change, when we think about new people, when we think about evangelism, I think what happens with a lot of us is we start to worry about, well, what does it mean for my place in the church? What, what, what am I going to lose if we really start reaching the folks that we say we want to reach? What, what does it mean if we're not singing as many hymns as we used to? 
or we're not singing as, as much as much worship band stuff as we used to. What 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 does it mean for my kids if we if we change how we do confirmation class or if we change how we do Sunday school? Because I want them to have the same experience that I had, but maybe the experience that I had doesn't work for the generation that we're trying to save. And is it more important for us to keep the same experience or to change the method so people can still encounter the living Christ? It it, kind of reminds me of when I first started trying to give Ryan vitamins. And it's this stuff called polyvisal. And I read that it's amazing. It's supposed to have like all of the vitamins that kids need. And I remember the first time I opened the package, it smelled terrible. Like, all oh, this stuff is disgusting, but she needs it. So I tried to give it to her just straight out of the package. And she spit it out. Sorry, Dave and Linda. Um, I did clean it up, so you probably won't notice. Uh, and I did it again, and she spit it out again. And so the next day, I said, hmm. She needs these vitamins. She doesn't like the delivery. How can I get her to get them? So, is she listening? Oh. <laughs> cover, cover her ears. Um, and so I took it, and I put it in some milk, and I shook it up. And she drank the bottle. She got the vitamins. I think part of the thing that we have to do is kind of put ourselves to the side and say, well, what's more important? Is it more important to keep doing things the way that we did so I can keep my comfort and keep my place and my space? Or is it more important that people get the message? Lord wants to know if we're bearing fruit. And part of it is that we have to be willing to change our methods so that this next generation can encounter Christ. Because do we care more about maintaining the church or do we want to be the church? And those are two vastly different things. Last thing is this. Verse 7 and 8 says that the disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, is it the Lord? It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. So John's like, oh, that's Jesus. Peter's like, Can you tell I can't swim? He's like, <laughs> and the rest of the disciples are like, well, all right, let's go. I think what this points out to me is that when, when, when we see clearly the direction that Jesus is calling us to, that we all respond differently. There, there are the John-like folks who, who maybe recognize it first, but aren't quite sure how to respond. There, there are the Peters who just go. And then there's the folks who are just kind of in between and will follow kind of what's happening. And the reality of the fact is 
that each of those responses are appropriate in different seasons. And it's because of the presence of the other folks and their other responses that allow us to be a wholer, more fuller picture of how we respond to revelation of Jesus Christ. Because there are some folks who through spirit can sense the movement, but aren't quite sure how we respond. And then there are the folks who can respond like, here's what we need to do. And then there's the folks who can make it happen. And together, they made their way back to shore. And so in this new wave, this new move of the spirit that I believe that the Lord is sending for us to affect and change the world and interact with the world around us different than we have ever before. There are a couple things that have to happen. We have to be willing to do new things in new ways to get the same message that Jesus loves you across. And we have to do it together. Because without each other, there's no way we can accomplish what it is that God is calling us to do. Peter got to the shore by himself, but the fish were still on the boat. John saw Jesus, but without the disciples, they weren't going to move. And so together they reached the shore. And the thing is, is that when they, when they pulled the, the, the nets with full of fish, the nets didn't break. What does that tell me? That means that there's room here for all of the people that God is calling to be here and that their presence and that their place doesn't mean that we're losing anything. There's something happening that God is challenging us to respond to. So as we continue to embark on this mission, we got to do it together. Because each and every person in this room has a part. Each and every person in this room is going to bring something that allows us to be successful. I'm nothing without you. Amen. Amen. The last thing I want to say before I wrap up is this. I'm a firm believer that everything starts with prayer. And what I want to do, I just had this 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 uh, this urge to to pray um, and to kind of do like a prayer walk and pray for all of the schools in Naperville. And I don't really know like how to how to how to strategize on how to do it. Um. And so if you are a person who has just like the gift of intercession, the gift of prayer, and you want to meet with me to help me kind of plan out, maybe it's just an all-day church thing, and we, you know, and, and there's two or three of us at every school in Naperville at the same time just praying together. I don't know how we work it out, but that is what I'm feeling like we should be doing to start. And so if you have any type of like strategy mind and you know, prayer mind, just send me an email so we can figure out. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. 
because we have to start there and be receptive to what God is saying we should do. I'm going to pray. Lord, we lift these things up to you. Guide us. We want to follow you. It's scary. It's unknown. But, dear Lord, what we want more than anything is to see uh, your kingdom in its fullness. And we know that you have called us to be agents of your kingdom and your work. To make sure that people hear the gospel message of the love of your son, Jesus Christ. Guide us every step of the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.